Do you want to know who's the hottest president? Doesn't make you glow to learn sick cabello. reward you will earn if you spend some time with us we all dress like your dad and wear glasses we assure you it's not that bad with three dudes wearing glasses my name is Gus, and I'm wearing an entirely black and white outfit because I am just that cool. My name is Mitchell, and I'm wearing a white shirt that supports Connecticut high school fencing. My name is Evan, and I'm wearing a blue shirt that supports Minnesota history. And we are three dudes wearing plaid. Every week on the show, we learn something brand new. The only catch is we have no idea what we're going to be learning about yet. There's still a wasp in my window. Oh, dear. It's stuck, it- though. It's trapped. He'll figure his shit out eventually, because he definitely got in, which means he can get out. But he is just sort of bonking his little wasp body against the window and hoping something will change. Which mood? (laughs) You have created Latter-day Sisyphus. But, like, his thing is that he's just bonking into the the window all day, every day. Curse curse to bonk. Hashtag. Curse to bonk. That's my new band name. That's a pretty good band name. We are cursed to monk. One, two, three, four. When I heard that, I just couldn't think. I thought of like the Bruce Springsteen, like Born to Run, but Cursed to Bonk. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe we were cursed to Bonk. That edit, <laughs> that edit can be made, sir. And it should be. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry, I'm gonna be useless for a bit. I'm just thinking about a like a country singer, like woefully strumming about how he's been cursed to bonk. <laughs> The okay. Sad, so, sad harmonica hook. Yeah. For fun, I just googled bonk. You know, so the the normal definition is, of course, to hit or strike parentheses someone or something. Of course. But right. in in the the less than great isles of Britain, nice. it means to have sex with. Oh, what? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. To bonk somebody. You'd never yeah. heard that before? I'd heard, I I heard of, I guess that makes sense, because to doink somebody. <laughs> I've never heard doink. I've heard boink. I think that's a Jersey one. Uh, the British people have a lot of real bad slang. Oh, shit. They do. I agree. Like, I know, I will say, I'm actually kind of a big fan of the, the Cockney rhyming slang. Mm-hmm. I think that's so fun. But general British slang is bad. No offense to our uh, British listeners, but... I don't think we have any British listeners. It's okay. fine. I, no, we invite offense. Your language is your language is silly, and the way you pronounce things is silly, except when it rhymes, then it's funny. Yeah, Take a stand. Right. I didn't even know Cockney. I knew about the French backwards slang, but I didn't know about the Cockney rhyming slang. It's genuinely very cool. What are some examples? Well, funny you should ask. 
because The Guardian has an article called The Ultimate Guide to Cockney Rhyming Slang. Hell yeah, it does. The fun thing about it is like so many of these have multiple layers of meaning on top of the rhyme. Okay. So this is a guide to the most commonly used Cockney rhyming slang. Apparently it has sort of like an interesting internal logic. The slang reflects meaning and the expressions themselves. So for example, apples and pears, meaning stairs. To the Cockney, the phrase steps and stairs describes the idea of gradation. Selected samples of fruit and vegetables are expertly graded in steps and stairs. So you say apples and pears, you refer to stairs, but wrapped up in that phrase is like the idea of gradation. That makes sense, actually. They use this as a a device in Mary Poppins, too. (laughs) That they do. Yeah. Another example that I think is fun is Army and Navy refers to gravy as gravy was plentiful at mealtimes in both the Army and the Navy. Nice. Like, there's That's, so many huh. on here. I thought it was going to be a boat thing. May, uh, it could also be a gravy boat thing. These all have layers of meaning. They do. There's so many on here, and this whole episode could be me just reading aloud the Guardian's list of Cockney rhyming slang. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I will tell you, my favorite one is gay and hearty, which refers to a party, and it describes how a social get-together should be. <laughs> gay and hearty. Gay and hearty. Oh my god. That's like the description of bisexual plants perfect it's so correct yes (laughs) oh my goodness so i've been looking at the etymology of cockney and of course because it's in the uk it's fucking silly because apparently the earliest recorded use of the term is 1362 in passus the sixth of william langland's piers plowman where cockney means a small misshapen egg however talked about Piers Plowman before? I feel like I we, believe have. we have. We have definitely was, talked about Piers Plowman. Was that in the Robin Hood episode? This feels I think very so. familiar. This Dude, Piers Plowman. There's up. so much there. But also, apparently, there's a mythical land of luxury called Cockaine, attested from 1305 that appears under a variety of spellings, including Cockaine, Cockney, and Cockney. And then, of course, just naturally became associated with London because... Which is a ridiculous origin story. Yeah, it is. Oh, wait, but that's not even the present meaning of the thing. What? Wait, what do you mean? Oh, my goodness. I had to scroll down on Wikipedia. <laughs> Apparently, neither of those things are like like the the definition from the earliest recorded use to the present is not contiguous because mm-hmm. the present meaning is from its use among rural Englishmen attested in 1520 as a pejorative term for effeminate t- town dwellers. It mentions here in the Reeves tale from the Canterbury Tales of a cockney as a child tenderly brought up and by extension an effeminate fellow or milksop. Huh. Interesting. So I'm reading a little bit about sort of the history of the specific Cockney dialect, which if you don't know what it is, it's Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins is doing a bad Cockney accent. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) There are certainly uh, better examples. It seems to have been influenced primarily by sort of like the speech spoken in Essex which Mm. is part of sort of like the greater London area, but also has heavy borrowings from both Yiddish and Romani. Interesting. How did those get in there? Does it elucidate? Nope. No, Uh, it doesn't. Well, that's okay. I'm reading more to see if I can find out. Now, as it turns out, according to Wikipedia, the Cockney rhyming slang listed on the Guardian article that I talked about isn't even all of it. Uh Mm. Like the phrases listed on the Guardian article are only the 
first layer of many layers because what happened is that this rhyming slang was started and I'll we can all dig more into the history later but they started the rhyming slang and then they started truncating oh, no. the rhymes so that they no longer rhyme with the original thing that they rhymed with oh, so no. now that there's no apparent connection between them so you get things like hampsteads refer to teeth because the original rhyme was hampstead heath oh no <laughs> and similarly bristles refer to breasts specifically titties because <laughs> the original phrase was bristol city bristol city a dog refers to a telephone because the original phrase was dog and bone and some things are two layers removed from the original now? The word heiress is mm. often used to indicate the buttocks. And you would think you would just get heiress by mispronouncing like arse. Yes. Uh -huh. But no. The phrase bottle and glass referred to the ass. That was then shortened to bottle. Bottle was then <laughs> rhymed with Aristotle, which was then truncated to heiress, almost <laughs> looping back around to the word arse by just doing layers and layers of rhyming and truncating. What oh, are God. the cockneys up to? Oh no, that's amazing. Oh, I will say I'm on the page for rhyming slang and just scrolling through it and trying to figure it out. This is the most citation needed I've ever seen on a Wikipedia page. <laughs> Like there's a lot, there's a lot of like this section has multiple issues, but you know what? I'm going to read it anyway because it's fun. Apparently, rhyming slang is believed to originate in the mid 19th century in the East End of London, which is the Cockney area traditionally in the in the olden times. But all we have is kind of like firsthand accounts from people saying, "Oh, it originated like 15 years ago from a book published in 1921." Hmm. But gathering the reports during the latter half of the 19th century, let's see in uh, Houghton. John Camden Houghton's 1859 Dictionary of Modern Slang, Cant, and Vulgar Words has a lot of many earlier ones, including Frog and Toad, The Main Road, and the aforementioned Apples and Pears. But it remains a matter of speculation exactly how rhyming slang originated. If it was A, a linguistic game amongst friends, B, a cryptolect developed intentionally to confuse non-locals, C, a sort of like tradesman's talk so that you could talk to people without the police knowing what you were doing or just straight up used by criminals so it's just real life thieves can't? <laughs> I will say the Wikipedia page does have according to whom and citation needed on all of that stuff. So this is all speculation. We don't <laughs> fucking know why people started using rhyming slang. No, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is history because this is all fucking speculation. Further down the Wikipedia page, the English academic lexicographer and radio personality Terence Dolan has suggested that rhyming slang was invented by Irish immigrants to London, quote, so the actual English wouldn't understand what they were talking about. <laughs> I love that for them. Good job, Irish people. Theoretically, very good job, Irish people. Pro-Ireland here. Listen, so much good music has come out of exhortations to just fight the bloody English that I, uh, yeah. that on that alone. So according to the Wikipedia page on rhyming slang, it has spread significantly out of the East End of London oh, and yes. now exists all over the Commonwealth of Nations. Mm. So for example, in Australia... Their term for uh, English people from England is palmy, which is a rhyme on pomegranate, pronounced as pomegranate. I can't do a good. Uh, no, you can't. I can't do a good Australian accent, but the Australian pronunciation of pomegranate sounds a lot like immigrant, hence palmy, oh. to refer to the English. Huh. 
Huh. Some expressions that we widely use in even American English also originate from Cockney slang, mm-hmm. including the one that I've used, blowing a raspberry. Huh? You guys yeah. all know how to blow a raspberry, right? Yeah, I didn't know that was rhyming slang. Well, it is, because what does that sound like? No, but like, what 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 <laughs> sound does that imitate, Mitchell? <laughs> Mitchell? <laughs> um, let me think here. Surely I am just really racking my brain. Oh, it sounds like a it sounds like a fart, doesn't it, Gus? Yeah, that's because it comes from raspberry tart. Rhyming oh. slang for fart. Just making some old raspberry tarts here. Don't mind me. That's wild. Like I had. I never stopped to think about the idea of blowing a raspberry, but I never thought about why it was called a raspberry. Oh, interesting. So the Britannica page on specifically just the Cockney like accent slash dialect, apparently there was some like controversy around in 2012 because the Museum of London, citing a study it had conducted, announced that Cockney rhyming slang was dying out and suggested that youth slang, rapid hip hop lyrics and text messaging was threatening the, quote, traditional dialect of working class Londoners. Oof. But at about the same time, although it doesn't say what year, there was a campaign to teach Cockney in East End schools and efforts to recognize Cockney rhyming slang as an official dialect among the more than 100 languages already spoken by the area's diverse population. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. Okay, Boomer, the Museum of London, but with like education and cultural investigation. So Cockney rhyming slang has been featured in lots of media, including the uh, aforementioned discuss Mary Poppins Return. The song Triple Little Light Fantastic involves Cockney rhyming slang. It's been featured in many TV shows, including EastEnders. Go figure. But the one I'm here for is that it was included in a Discworld book by Terry Pratchett. uh, Going Postal. One of the better Discworld books, in my personal opinion. Hmm. In which Tolliver Grote speaks Dimwell Arrhythmic rhyming slang, which is a rhyming slang that does not rhyme. Oh. (laughs) Wait a minute. So that's so funny. Huh. Oh yeah, further on that, the example that Wikipedia gives is a wig is a prunes from syrup of prunes, an obvious parody of the cockney syrup for wig because that comes from syrup of figs. Huh. So, yeah, going postal just takes all of this already like layered and removed and re-removed shit and removes it one step further because that's Terry Pratchett for you. Mhm. All right, I've got some Australian rhyming slang for you guys. Oh, that's good. exciting. Please do it in an authentic accent. Otherwise, oh no, please don't. Oh god, I will don't not. Try. It's not Evan. It's not Australian rhyming slang if it's not an Australian accent. I can't do an Australian accent. I'm sorry, guys. We did a whole one about the Tasmanian tiger. They won't be mad at us. <laughs> I don't care. I just you also, don't. Want it. You, also, you also don't have to do it. It's okay. One of the newer ones is your Al Capone, which is your phone. Oh, mm. indeed, criminal. I like it. Aristotle, which yep. uh, refers to bottle, which is just sort of any alcohol. Oh, mm-hmm. wait. Mm-hmm. So they theirs is different from the Cockney one then, because the Cockney Aris means ass. <laughs> oh, Aristotle. Right, but Aris comes from Aristotle. Ah. Yeah. So they took Aristotle two different ways. They did. Oh, there's 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 many more. Your uh, country cousin means a dozen. That one's kind of dumb. A lot of these are real dumb. I got I gotta say. Damn. <laughs> no <laughs> Roasted. offense. Roasted. If you're uh, if you've done a crime, you got to look out for the ducks and geese. For the police. 
So a lot of rhyming slang, because it is getting constantly updated, even though, you know, some people think it's more or less dying out and being replaced with more modern slang, it is also modernizing itself all the time. Well, of course. <laughs> and one of the ways it does that is by incorporating the names of modern or somewhat modern celebrities. Okay. So if you were to go down to the pub for a few Britneys, those are beers from Britney Spears. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> Which is extremely good. I'm going to start using that. I really enjoy that. It's very good. Apparently they took Gregory Peck and made it neck. Thus, okay. I have a pain in my Gregory. <laughs> Which isn't even... It's not shorter. It's not more convenient to say. No, but nope. it is funnier. But it is funnier. I have been looking for other examples of like Cockney rhyming slang in culture. And I found this really interesting one called <clears throat> Watcher Knocked Him in the Old Kent Road, which is a, a, a musical comedy song from 1891. Uh-huh. Which is about a family who is suddenly gets a lot of money. They are all Cockney folks. And so there's a lot of rhyming slang in there but it's transcribed literally, so this is honestly quite hard to read. But what oh, I think is more interesting is uh, the guy who, who wrote and performed it, a man named Albert Chevalier, the hmm. least cockney name you could think of, who apparently was like a, developed a stage persona as like the archetypal cockney, archetypal? I don't know during this time and because he like sold vegetables once in London and so this was just his whole thing he was just like I'm gonna sing Cockney stuff at you and people loved him for it <laughs> there's this quote by a, an English theater critic Clement Scott who said, Albert Chevalier has had much, very much, to do with the wholesome reform of the modern music hall. Huh. Which, if you think about it, is like a really good, of the personas you could get, probably a pretty good one. Because what often happened was there would be, like, theater critics who didn't think he was very funny. And then other people would just go, oh, you're snobs. You don't understand. He's doing working class humor. Get on out of here. <laughs> That's what they literally said, verbatim. I have been reading an article from JSTOR entitled Rhyming oh Slang in a Western Prison by Inez Cardozo Freeman. Damn, we're huh. getting academic on this one. Which right. talks about rhyming slang in a prison, Washington State Penitentiary. And hmm. it seems that this rhyming slang, which exists only in this one situation, is sort of a mishmash of a bunch of different rhyming slangs. So the anthropologists who went there identified 103 slang terms, 56 of which had been used previously, 23 that were sort of like variations on other rhyming slangs from Australia or England, and then 24 of them which were brand new inventions. Whoa. So wow. even in the US, we've got some rhyming slang. And this article sort of speculates that perhaps the introduction of rhyming slang came from prisoners from Australia who ended up in America and brought their rhyming slang to the American prison system. That would make sense. Does it That's say how, cool. Sorry, I might have missed this. Does it say like how long it took for that to develop? The study was done in the 70s and it seems like there has been academic discussion about rhyming slang at this specific, that specific prison since I believe the 40s. So it's been around for a while. Oh, we've got some examples. Please. Gone to Korea is gonorrhea. <laughs> okay. I'm glad we're starting off on a high note. Rattle and hiss is piss. Okay. Nice, nice. And Mrs. Moore means floor. <laughs> okay. 
Those are the only ones they give for examples. Like, here's the thing. I get it when it's like a, a thing like gonorrhea or like pissing, when it's like a specific thing. But when it's a very generic object or, or thing you're referring to, like a neck or a floor, it's like, what is the purpose of the slang then? <laughs> Like, part of the purpose of the slang is just, like, to have slang. Yeah. I don't think anybody looks at slang and is like, this is only purposeful if it refers to things that don't otherwise have an easy referent, if it shortens the language, if it makes it more efficient. Like, slang is just fun. I'm not a, I'm not a fucking square over here. I'm not trying to delegitimize <laughs> slang and be like, but, like... If you'd like to hear about a different type of Cockney slang, yeah, this is a blog post on Roman Road, London by Grace Boyle hmm. in October 2020. And I don't know how legitimate it is, but it seems like she's done her research and interviewed a lot of actual like older Cockney folks. So that's okay. there's a lot of good facts in here, and I'm going to just sort of intersperse some of them now. First of all, apparently the term Cockney originally was officially defined as someone born within earshot of the chiming bells of Cheapside St. Mary LeBeau Church. Yeah, Bo's bells, baby. So you have to be able to hear them to be Cockney. But also, you know, the rhyming slang wasn't the only type of slang. Someone who commented on the Facebook post asking for recollections of Cockney rhyming slang talked about back slang, and apparently there were a couple of versions but one was to take off the first letter of a word and put an A on the end. Okay. Okay. So kind of like a pig Latin thing, but with fewer steps. <laughs> yeah. And the guy who this woman is remembering used to do this worked as a bellboy in a London hotel in the 1920s. Apparently a lot of staff could speak this back slang, so they could have a private conversation in which they did this sort of like weird pseudo pig Latin slang, and none of the guests would know what they were talking about. Well, yes. It's no rhyming slang, but it is also easier i think i agree i've been trying to decipher i'm on a, a lovely lovely article from the journal dialectologia called traditional cockney and popular london speech and i'm just trying to decipher these graphs about like vowels and diphthongs that are in this weird parallelogram with arrows going all over the place Ooh. and i've been sitting here trying to do it for several minutes and i don't think i'm going to okay Linguistics is complicated. Like I, you guys know way more about linguistics than I do. I don't, I don't know, man. You I just took thought the one linguistics cool. course. We are not qualified. More than I'm me. Qualified. More than me. I've decided to just sort of approach everything in my life with absurd overconfidence. Mm. Hell yeah. And hope that that works for me. Okay, so I am currently researching some more London slang outside of specifically rhyming slang, and one of them, which has a very, very confusing etymology, is. Ooh. The term pony, which typically means uh, 25 pounds. Okay. Sure. The amount of money, not like the amount of weight. Well, yeah. Indeed. So the theory given is that the term pony originates from the Latin phrase legem pone, which is from Psalm 119 of, oh. of, of the, the Book of Psalms, which was sung at Matins, which is one of the uh, services done in Christian liturgy during more like the Middle Ages and the Renaissance period, which was mm -hmm. sung on the 25th day of the month. You fucking serious? <laughs> yep, that's the etymology suggested. Oh, come on. God, England's that's... not real. It no. can't be real. <laughs> None of this is real. That's the secret theme of this podcast is we're just out on a mission to discredit the idea of England existing. I know we've we've I've I have said this on this podcast at least like twice by now. And I'll say it again. None of this it's too ridiculous. 
I agree. <laughs> if you want one more ridiculous thing before we finish up, in 2012 in London, you'll recall that that's where the Olympics were. Ah, yes, yeah. of course. The cashless policy of the games read mm. as sort of like ridiculous and stupid to some people. So in an attempt to fight it, according to this Huffington Post article, Cockney ATMs were installed. <laughs> what? <laughs> the machines operated by independent ATM operator Bank Machine will mean that visitor visitors can still withdraw their sausage and mash from their taxi rank, cash oh. from their bank. Oh no. The machines <laughs> gave the users the option to withdraw a speckled hen, a 10, or a horn of plenty, 20. You see, So you see, officer, Sir. <laughs> I so was merely just, headed to my taxi. They were just kind of being intentionally ridiculous to sort of call out the Olympics for having a no cash policy. But Kevin Leach, the landlord of the Builder's Arms pub, which was near the Olympic site, said, my Cockney cash machine provides cash and amusement for international visitors <laughs> whilst helping to keep the, the East London spirit alive. It also thwarts the nonsensical plans to make the Olympics, quote, contactless. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And there were, there were a lot of cash-only pubs and businesses in the area that thought that the policy was going to, you know, cut down on their business. Not this guy, though. Because he had a cockney atm damn right that sounds like a it sounds like a euphemism but it for once is what it actually refers to yeah no tricks here folks just a literal actual cockney atm hey what have we learned today so cockney is an accent from london which is in England, which is not real. <laughs> uh, it specifically refers to the accent spoken by people in the East End, typically, uh, traditionally, those who were born with an earshot of Bow's Bells, and it has working class connotations. Graphing it out, who boy, it's real complicated. I don't get that at all. But we have a lot of uh, parallel emergences of the etymology of Cockney, either as the term from the 14th century, meaning a small misshapen egg, or the present meaning coming from the 16th century in the Canterbury Tales, where Cockney meant one of them city slickers. There are so, so many examples of Cockney rhyming slang where it got, like, three layers removed even from the original rhyme. The best example is eris, meaning arse, but it does not come from arse. Oh no. Eris comes from Aristotle, which rhymes with bottle, which comes for bottle and glass, which rhymes with ass. Rhyming slang has spread beyond the East End of London to Australia and even to a jail in Washington State, where they invented some new rhyming slang. It's fun. It's had a, a, a decent effect on culture. Most people, when they do a British accent, just do the Cockney. There's many celebrity Cockney people, including Sir Michael Caine. But the cultural impact of it goes way back, including to the end of the 20th century, end of the 19th century, excuse me, with a man named Albert Chevalier, who just kind of did a variety show Cockney act because he used to work as a vegetable salesman and people <laughs> fucking loved it. While Cockney rhyming slang has begun to fall out of favor in the internet age when internet slang becomes more popular, it is still used sometimes by some people, and even sometimes it's used to prove a point, like when they installed Cockney ATMs at the Olympics to protest the Olympics' no-cash policy in 2012. Well, I gotta go check my dog to see if I've gotten any messages. I can't. I'm not gonna try and incorporate this into don't, my real life. Don't I, do it. <laughs> it's like, it would be like taking a whole other class just to learn how to incorporate rhyming slang into your daily life. But 
I'm so glad you guys came along on this journey. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please share it with a friend. If you hate the show, please kick its heiress. And either way, follow us on Instagram at 3DWPCast. I'm Gus. I'm Mitchell. And I'm Evan. And this has been Three Dudes Wearing Plaid. Have a great day. Next time on Three Dudes Wearing Plaid. We gotta be healthy. This is a COVID-free podcast. It's also a disease-free podcast. No diseases here. No No viruses. We are immune to all diseases known to man and beast. Every single one? Every single one. Not plant diseases, though. Uh, I mean, that is what happened when you got the COVID vaccine, is it made you immune to every single disease. Yeah, and also every single, like, symptom of illness, actually. I'm invulnerable now. I mean, I guess you could still stab me. I love love the idea of- why would you? Find out next week on Three Dudes Wearing Plaid. Mm.